Hello, everyone. This is Ryan, host of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. We are doing two shows this week, and the first one is a reissue of the interview and forensic soul analysis we did on our own virtue, Miss Lisa Kaza. What an inspirational story. We got a tremendous positive response to that, and we've actually gotten a lot of requests lately to re-air that show. So how can I say no to you? I love you guys. I'll do anything for you. So, Brendan, let's cue up the inspirational music. Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, we will be doing a forensic soul analysis on another one of our beloved virtues, globally respected psychic medium and empath, Miss Lisa Kaza. Miss Kaza is the fourth virtue. We were corresponding two years ago, and she sent me this great analysis for an article I was writing, and I sensed there was something special about her. And though we had corresponded a few times between the last two years, I told her that when, when I started a big project, I wanted her to be a part of it. And I'm so thankful that she was able to fit in and be the fourth piece of the big puzzle. Her and Miss Lynn and Miss Stellis and Miss O'Connor are incredible at what they do. I cannot describe to you the expertise that all four of them have. And the reason why I wanted to focus on Miss Casa, aside from her being a virtue, is the fact that she's got a very inspirational life story. She's had a very uh, rough earlier parts of her life, and she's overcome them. And I feel that her story is very inspirational, and her expertise is incredible. I have so much love and respect for her and the other virtues. And I think Miss Casa also has a great sense of humor. She may be the only virtue that I actively go out and prank or get pranked back from. Also, every time I'm about to go on a trip, I call Ms. Kaza and I ask her if the plane's going to explode. Now, she's been right 100% of the time. The plane has not exploded. So, without further ado, the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show proudly presents a forensic soul analysis on Ms. Lisa Kaza. Our special guest today on the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show is a familiar voice to you. Her name is Ms. Lisa Kaza. She is one of our virtues, an incredible empathic clairvoyant, psychic, and an, even an animal communicator. We've been working with Ms. Kaza for a very long time. It is a great honor to have her be a part of our program, and it is even a greater honor to now feature on our show. So, Ms. Kaza, welcome to the Outer Limits of Truth Radio Show. Thank you for being with us today. Hello, Ryan. Well, this feels very different. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to ask you all kinds of very difficult questions. This is going to be Uh-oh. an interrogation session. And oh. let's start out with the first question, Ms. Kaza, is how did you gain your psychic abilities, and how would you describe your psychic abilities? Well, how did I gain them? Well, I was... I didn't really gain them, whereas more so, I think, inherited them. I was pretty much born this way. I don't mean to sound like, um, <laughs> what, what's that singer's, singer's name there? Um, Lady Gaga. But um, that's pretty much how, how it is with, with a, lot of, a lot of us uh, psychics and mediums, where we usually are born with the gift to at least some extent. And I believe I, I inherited it from my from my late grandmother, even though she didn't really 
uh, voice it, of course, back in those days, but that's where I think she got, I got it from. Um, how to describe them? Well, it's, I'm clairvoyant, clairaudient, and clairsentient, which means um, I can see, hear, and feel um, the past, present, and potential future. Um, I can also communicate with animals, um, both pets as well, as well as wild animals, actually. Um, and they usually tend to communicate with me telepathically via sending mainly images and emotions. I'll feel their emotions and I'll read into things that way. Um, and I do also uh, do mediumship, so speaking with, with spirits every once in a while. But for the most part, I utilize my my uh, the three C's clairvoyance, clairaudience, and clairsentience to um, to help people, whether it's you know throughout their careers, their life paths. Um, about eighty five percent of my readings are relationship based. So everyone so, wants to know when they're going to meet the uh, that special person. someone, or actually, there's been a couple of times where I've rather inadvertently. Um, but wonderfully actually helped marriages. Yeah, yeah, there, there's this one time, I'll never forget it, I had a phone reading with this wonderful lady, and she was crying and, you know, saying that she was scared that her marriage is failing, her husband, you know, you know the story, I don't want to go into huge details. But anyway, to make a long story short, I, I tried to comfort her and guide her the best I could. Well, approximately two hours later, I had another phone reading from a gentleman, and little did I know this was the husband of the of the wife that called. Neither one of them knew that they called me and spoke to me. They were totally independent of each other, and I actually didn't even know. Like, hey, I'm 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 good, but I'm not that good. I <laughs> I didn't realize it was the person I read on before. But anyways, uh, uh, um, so I read for him. And then about a week and a half later, I received a call. They were both on the line, and they called to thank me to say that they're going into therapy and that I essentially saved their marriage. Oh, wow. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Now, just uh, to go a little bit off on this, because you, you did bring up the fact that a lot of people contact you about relationships, and do you find that people who are married in this life tend to be married over the course of several lifetimes? And if so... Why is that the case? Why does that? Why do we often hear about that? Um, yes and no. Some uh, many are. Uh, they do have a lot of you know past life connections together, but the thing is, the numbers like they're, they're pretty much divided. Where there's a lot of people that haven't been together before. Um, this could be their very first lifetime together. Um, but uh, in response to the second half of your question as to why they would be married again. There, again, there's different different reasonings behind it. Um, usually, there, um, what I have come across is where their both of their spirits um, have made certain vows or agreements in that past life or two or three or four that they were in prior, that they would always find each other at some point to be together once more. Um, it also could be because of tying up loose ends 
because, you know, like, well, in my case, I do realize my first marriage, I do know that I did have past life with this man. But the thing is, what people need to understand is that just because we may have found a soulmate or a past life connection, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be with them until the end of our days. So it's tying up loose ends in those instances. So what are you tying up? I mean, what are you... What's an example of a loose end to be tied up? Is it's Like karmic karmic uh, lessons or karmic debts, if you want to call them that. Okay, um, so let's give an yeah. example. Say for example, you, you happen to be a, a, a spouse, and your spouse is a big pain in the ass. <laughs> and he or she, you know, they, they, they nag on you and they drive you crazy. Theoretically speaking, could that be because in a previous lifetime you were a big pain in the ass to them and you nagged them and you drove them crazy? And that <laughs> about balancing the scales? Well, I, 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 I do know that the universe uh, and divine does have a sense of humor, so it could possibly <laughs> be. But it could also be if you want, you need to take a look at something like that, look deeper into that. Perhaps both of you need to learn a lesson of um, unconditional acceptance of each other and, you know, not trying to change another person or trying to force another person uh, or not not to force your beliefs or your desires onto another person. So unconditional acceptance and unconditional love and patience. Okay. How does one know the difference between whether or not they should stay with a person that they're married with or whether or not they're just going, or whether or not they're just resisting what is by not leaving them because they're afraid to leave their comfort zone. Like maybe some people in a marriage are like, well, you know, I really do want to stay, or maybe I should, maybe I'm here to work this marriage out, but at the same time, maybe I'm meant to, to leave because that's the path of least resistance. So how, how do you? How can you tell? It, it, it's that's a hard question to answer because it just entirely depends on the people involved the dynamics that are involved, the energies that are involved. Like let's say, for example, just off the top of my head, um, let's say that the that the married couple are both, you know, pretty much falling out of love of, with each other. They're not intimate anymore, um, you know, but they have two children and they both decide that they're going to stay within the marriage for the sake of the children. Firstly, I do not recommend that. Um, secondly, that's you know, like I said, just one example. Like there's too many, there's too many factors, too too many dynamics to to weigh in for me to completely answer that particular question. It's just it's not cut and dry. It's just based on each individual case. Okay. Now, when you are on the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. People tend to, I mean, I think that you know, you're very popular. One of the other virtues, people like love listening to you, and you tend to take a really upbeat approach. And when before we we did this interview tonight, they asked you to send me some notes about your life, and it was it was it was heartbreaking to realize some of the things that have occurred in your life because you seem to um, have had a um, very um, a lot of trials and tribulations. And I was wondering if you can elaborate to the listeners. Um, some of what had occurred in your childhood and how those events that occurred within your childhood shape the person you are 
right now? Um, you're essentially trying to tell me to write a novel in <laughs> 30, 35 minutes. <laughs> well, I mean, if, to, to let people know some of the abuse, because, you know, in the notes you said that, um, you know, you were, you were raised by your maternal grandparents until the mm-hmm. age of four. And then That's you right. started experiencing abuse by your half-brother. Um, no, not my ha- my stepfather. Your stepfather? Right, right. When my um, half-brother was born, I was five years old. Okay. And that was pretty much when... Um, can I swear? Okay. That's pretty much when the shit hit the fan for, for me. Um, he was born and I was pretty much, well, in my perception as a child, shoved into a corner and basically forgotten about unless it was to beat on me for whatever reason that struck my stepfather's mind at any given moment. Um, that went on for, for a number of years and it, it, it did escalate. There was a lot of physical abuse. I've, I don't mean to be graphic or upsetting, but for example, I've had my, my head put through a wall a couple times just for getting my school picture taken. Um, different things. I get punished for things that even my, my little brother would do. I'd get the blame for it because he could never do no wrong. I don't hold that against him at all. I know it's not his, his fault. Um, but then I'd have to say, ooh, maybe I was about seven or eight that's when things escalated into much more where it, it was starting to get more into the sexual abuse, which I really don't want to, you know, it's more no, we personal can, yeah, we, we, we can only imagine. We can only imagine. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, my mother never really stepped in to, to help because in her own words, I'll quote this, because I've heard her say it, is that she um, would never step in to stop him quite simply because she would get it worse. And so, of course, that didn't sit well with my my grandmother. <laughs> but to, um, at the age of 11, uh, 10, 10 and a half, that's when I, I finally got out of that situation. Um, she finally took me out of there, and then we were living on our own. She was a single mother for the remainder of the time that I was with her. I was only with her until I was 15. I moved out when I was 15 because I just, um, I didn't have too much respect for my mother. There's a lot going on there in the background too. Like she, she's, um, she was a lady that when she got pregnant with me, she didn't want to be a mother. But my grandparents, I, I believe it was my grandparents, the way that the story was said to me, um, they were the ones that stopped me as well as my biological father. So, you know, it's something that my native elders tried to teach me a couple of years ago is that when a mother, when a, a woman doesn't want to be a mother, well, it's quite difficult for that for that woman to um, gain any uh, bonding, like the mother mother child bond. It just wasn't there; it never was. So, you know, for that, I, like, I don't um, blame her for that either because you have to understand that she too is just a person and was just operating from with whatever she had you know she didn't have much to to go on either like psychologically and morally so um but yeah that's that's the very fast 
uh, lowdown. <laughs> and then um, I, w- I want to take the uh, OSS to another part of your life, and then we're going to come back to a couple of questions, which is that you get married, um, and then you have was it three kids. Four. Four kids. Mm-hmm. Your ex-husband doesn't pay any child support, and you're struggling every day to survive for three years. And you're doing everything you can. So on top of having a very rough childhood, you know, definitely not the love American childhood, you're there struggling with your kids. But what I think I find it really courageous is that you know you you keep going, you find the strength, and you're you're growing out of this, and you're showing your kids a different kind of. How did you treat your kids differently? What did you? How did you treat your kids differently compared to how you were raised? Oh God, it's like a complete 360. <laughs> uh, even to this day, even though like my oldest now, she is um, 24. I'm extremely protective, very overprotective, um, and I, I show perhaps more love than <laughs> than what they want. You know, just so I, that's the main thing I notice with myself is I'm extremely overprotective and supportive. Um, but yeah, I had uh, four children. My first, it should be noted that uh, my first child, I was actually 17 when she was born. Um, I was with their father at the time. I What happened was, as I mentioned earlier, I moved out of my mother's home when I was 15. Upon doing so, I moved in with my boyfriend, who later turned into my husband at, later on. Um, I got pregnant with my first first little girl, but due to my age, and as my family would say, I, um, it was bringing down the family name because they were um, quite the quite well to do in society. I'll put it that way. So I was forced against my will to give give my my little girl up for adoption, and from the moment of her birth, I swore that I'd find her. And I did. You know, long story short, I did. And then, um, so yes, I, I then, uh, you know, married married my boyfriend. I was with him for 14 years. And throughout those 14 years, well, unfortunately, <laughs> I pretty much jumped from the frying pan right into the fire. <laughs> so because did, he, did he repeat some of the um, abusive? Actually, it was a lot worse. Really? In, in so many ways. Like, um, there was a lot of emotional abuse, okay. um, spiritual abuse. Uh, he he does not even to this day does not believe in psychics and anything to do with metaphysics whatsoever. Um, physical abuse, sexual abuse, you know, the, uh, financial abuse was a big one too. Um, I wasn't even allowed to to get a career. I actually have not too many people know this of me, but I actually have a veterinary degree which I uh, obtained when I was pregnant with my second child. So I, and I could never, you know, put that, uh, put that to use. But I was divinely forced after 14 years of all of that, I was divinely forced to finally leave him. I even remember the day. It was November 23rd, 2003. And, that's when it, it was the, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. The police were called in, and he was arrested and charged, and, and the whole nine yards. And that's where I really, really started to 
I had to. I had no choice to but to grow, to grow up. Uh, by that time, I was 29, and so I, I was forced. I was absolutely petrified because realized I'd never been truly on my own before, not alone. I always had, you know, if it wasn't, uh, you know, being in my mother's home, well, I had my grandmother. My my grandmother was, in my eyes, she was my mother. So, you know, in 2000, she passed, so I didn't have her. So it was very scary. The most scary thing I ever had to do in my life. But I, I had to do it. I had to do it for me, and I had to do it for my children. Now, when these events are occurring, these events that uh, to the average individual, unless you're sadistic, are, seem to be pretty horrific. These are occurring in your life. How is this impacting your extrasensory abilities? How is this crafting and refining your ability to perceive uh, things beyond the normal scope of human perception? Well, the one thing I have noticed is that, like, even when I first decided to leave the ex, my abilities actually opened up like, like someone turned a light on. So it's like a lot of the abuse, this is my belief, a lot of the abuse was hindering my abilities greatly. And then once I got out of there and I started out on my own, um, that's a story in itself how I got to got here. But, um, you know, following a lot of divine signs, and I think that that was part of um, my growth and my abilities as well, is that I was taught very quickly to trust to trust divine and to trust my own intuition and the divine signs that were actually given to me. If you trust those, then you just you can't go go wrong. And that's ultimately what I did. And so today, I use a lot of my past experiences to shed light for others in similar situations. Hey. Um, I can also actually, strangely enough, I can even, well, try to explain to the person, um, for example, what is going on psychologically with their partner, for example, or their child, because I've also, I also have the child's perspective in all of that as well. Now, let's talk about metaphysically speaking. What are, what are the lessons that a person is to be learning from if they are being physically or sexually abused, whether it be early childhood physical sexual abuse or even adult physical sexual abuse, you know, with anyone. What are the what are the lessons that are there to be learned? Um well lessons I I'm not sure other than I don't really think they're lessons. I I think what it is there's really no lessons behind it. It's more so that of having to gain wisdom and strength. Above all, is strength. And yes, wisdom and, and knowledge to pass on to others. And empathy and compassion for others. Those are the, the main things that that I feel are imparted through, you know, a lot of a lot of the trials in anybody's life. Now, before you came into this last, this latest physical life incarnation, did you have an agreement, or were you aware of an agreement that you came in knowing you were going to experience these these, uh, these horrific events? <laughs> no, 
I, 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 I must have had some kind of agreement. Like I, I have heard this where, you know, but prior to our birth and before each incarnation, we, you know, ultimately select the parents. We select the um, experiences in life that we go through. And all I have to, I don't know how to answer that other than all I've got to say is when I do pass from this incarnation, I can't wait to kick my own ass. <laughs> because I, I I think I got it. I don't think I need any more. I really didn't need that. But that's what I've always said. I'm just I'm gonna I can't wait until I kick my own ass. But um, it, there had to have been because that's you know there had to have been something there. I, I'm not aware of it. But uh, yeah. You know, I, I'm going to just try to put something in, in the in your mind and the listeners' minds out there to see if I can maybe come up with an example of what it's equivalent to. Because um, if you are your higher self, you know you, you probably have this immense perception, infinite perception of the way things are. And then if your higher self looks at Earth and it sees it as this teeny little speck, and you think of this reality, this life incarnation, something that will go by in the blink of an eye if you're your higher self. But when you're actually here in the physical body, you don't realize how crazy it is or how crazy it could be so maybe when you go from your higher self all knowing and, be, and become the physical body and go through this you're not fully aware or fully remembering of just how tough it can be to be human yeah oh. I have to agree with that 100% and I'm going to make a, I don't know if you want to call it a mental note or a spiritual mental note okay. that I am not going to repeat this good you're a good person who would want to do that to you anyway you're just... well, not, well obviously my higher self did <laughs> <laughs> but no I feel that um, the only thing I figure is I do know like I do I am aware of a couple of my past lives and in at least one of them I was actually quite well to do and didn't have trials like this, that's for darn sure. So it's obvious to me that, I, well, I obviously needed it for whatever reason. What those reasons are, I don't know. Once again, I'm going to ask my higher self, and it won't really matter what the answers are. I'm still going to kick my own ass. They're going to kick their ass to it. Um, you know what I want? When people are abused sometimes... My understanding is that if you are, you know, very young and this abuse happens, that you you, you split. You, you know, it's called a personality split, or you know, you, you kind of you leave your body, or you, maybe you compartmentalize a part of yourself. Have you ever um, questioned at one point when you are communicating with the spirits, if you are generally communicating with the spirits, or if sometimes you're communicating with a part of yourself that may have been shut down? when you were experiencing abuse, a part of yourself, no? No, no that's, no. I, I, I know right away um, who's who. I, I know whether it's my imagination or my ego or my own, you know, things like that as compared to, it's a very different energy. And I would know if it was, let's say, coming from myself in whatever manner, whether it's the higher self or the ego or what, I'll, I know it's 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 got the same the best way to describe it is it's the same energy, I'm wanting to say color, but just to try to illustrate to other people what I'm trying to say. It's it's a very different energy as opposed to 
everyone else that I've ever read for over my 20 plus years. It's just an energy that's personalized just to you. You always know that it's you on whatever level. Okay. Now, you said, let's go back to some of your your ability to some of your, your perceptions because you, you sit down and you talk to people and there are a lot of them talking about their love life and they're always trying to do things. What are some of the biggest insights you've garnered over the years about metaphysics, about spirituality, some of the biggest lessons that have come to you? In general? Yeah. What have you, yeah. Um, well, one of the absolute biggest is that Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Everything. I actually have a, a couple of articles about this in my blog where, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter what it is or, you know, what we say, what we do, or what is done to us or what we do to others. Everything happens for a reason, even though we may think we know what the reasons are you'll never fully get what the reasons are until later on down the road. There's always divine intent behind every single thing that happens. And to go hand in hand with that, um, there's a term that I actually, it's call, I call it uh, life path sequential order. I came up with that phrase myself. And what it is, is if you take a look back on your entire life, select just one event in your life. So let's say, for example, me. Let's say I um, I didn't decide to move out to Vancouver, British Columbia with my uh, ex-husband, which I was 17 years old, 18 years old at the time when I moved out there. If I did not move out there, holy crap, I wonder what would have happened. Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to illustrate? You can take out just just one major event in your life, and you ultimately likely would not be where you are today. Another one is, I like I never knew my biological father. Well, I did. I just didn't remember him. He was around until I was about three and a half, until my stepfather forced him to stay away. I reunited with him when I was 24 years old. I, I found him. I, I seem to have this knack when I make vows of finding people, I, I tend to find them. But uh, so let's say if I had known my father all my life, well, guess what? With my psychology training, I know full well that I would not have even hooked up with my ex because, and here's something that people do not know, is that my ex is 22 years older than me. So with my psychology training, I know that back then, as a child, I was looking for that father figure. That's what that was all about. If a person in their evolutionary path makes an elective decision to become abusive, to do horrific things to a person, while not having a prior family history of this, but to be the first person in the family to start becoming abusive, what does that do for their greater evolutionary growth throughout various lifetimes? Are they setting themselves up for some uh, you know, unimaginable events that will occur 
you know, you know, years from now, lifetimes from now, what is what are they actually doing to their growth? And um, I don't really know how to answer that. I, I I don't know, but I what I can say is that if we take a look back into past lives, um, I have seen it where the abuser was actually the abused. I've either in a past life or actually I've also seen it where um here's an example where I saw this this child she was bullied in in public school for all these years she was in public school. If she gets into high school she turns around and then she became the bully. So, you know, it's I've seen that as well. But so I can't really speak of, you know, what it does. I do feel that it, it does evolve all of them to some extent where they do need to have to learn perspectives for of other people. Um, here's another example I can try to give to try to illustrate more of that concept is um, one of my past lives past lives I was as mentioned quite well to do. Well, upon passing from that past life, I unfortunately made a vow that, or, or, or not a vow, but a belief. I formed this belief in my mind that money just brings about peril. So I didn't, in my next incarnations, I didn't want to have anything to do with money. And so now, in, in subsequent lifetimes, I've seen three lifetimes plus this one where I've always had money troubles. So I've always, you know, wanted... I guess wanted to steer away from the money, but because now that I, I am aware of what I said in that original past life, I actually retracted that vow. Will you will you communicate with the spirits? Are you communicating with a number of spirits? Do you have a guardian angel that facilitate that is your main source of communication with the um, with the entities and beings um, from other dimensions? Um, I don't work with angels, but um, what I do work with are my animal guides. Um, I also work like when I'm doing readings for others, then I'll usually get the assistance from their own higher selves and the energy around them and their guides. Um, and then when talking to, let's say, um, the spirits of pass on loved ones, well, it's this one's hard to describe, but it, it it is basically communicating with them directly. But it's not like I'm seeing them right in front of me. They're it's in mainly in the back of my eyes and the back of my mind is where I can see them and, and communicate with them. Okay. And if a person has passed, how do they initiate communication with the person who's still alive? Like what? What I mean, I'm just trying to ask if if there's any way to kind of give uh, a visualization of what a person uh, what a person is like when they pass. You know, are they just are they, are they a weightless energy kind of floating around that visits people? And how how are they can they communicate with the living? Yeah, I'll say yes to to both. It's pretty much what it is. But what I try to do when I'm trying to communicate with them is try to get the physical image of them like to, to, so the physical aspect of them when they were alive so that I can tr at least try 
to describe them to um, whoever I'm reading for just so that I can give them a little piece of validation or, or any, something like that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's an energy is the best way to describe it. Right. One of the things I really you touched base upon at the very beginning of our interview is the fact that you do some work with animals. And what are some of the purposes of pets, of animals that people live with? And does an animal have a guardian angel? Does, does it, um, can an animal kind of evolve to a human-like consciousness or will it always remain an animal? Well, firstly, if animals have spirits just like we do. Okay. We're all we're all connected. We all have that same inner divine light within. It's the same. We have all have spirits. Therefore, yes, I do believe that um, pets and and all animals. It's not just pets. You have to realize they all have um, guardians or or guides, if you will, if that's what you want to want to call them, that work with them, that that try to protect them. Of course. Um, what was the other part of your question? Do you think there's a possibility that people who have various pets have lived previous lifetimes with them? And is there a particular reason why uh, an animal would choose to reincarnate with uh, the same spirit from a previous lifetime? I think that that would have to do with, uh, you know, talking about things that I don't know as much about, which would be that of soul contracts or soul agreements that are made between two two or more individual spirits. Um, there would be an agreement that was made probably many lifetimes before, you know, that they would carry through. I, I, like I said, I don't have much knowledge on that, but that's that's the most immediate message that I just heard <laughs> for, for a response. You've been on the show since the very inception, and have you ever come across an energy of a soul that we've analyzed where you've just been completely blown away or completely shocked or it's something that it's, it's unfamiliar to you. Well, you know the answer to this one because I yeah. bug you all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Chung Fu. Chung Fu. I love, I can't even express how much I love Chung Fu. He is, the the highest vibration I have felt. Well, mind you, um, listeners do need to realize that prior to the show, like I, I'm uninfluenced. That that's kind of what you call me. I'm I'm uninfluenced by anybody else's teachings. So I, all a lot of you know what we have talked about, you know, with Chung Fu and a lot of, and and Stuart Wilde, um, it was an introduction to me. But since doing the show, I've had clients that have been coming to me that have had really high vibrations too. They're, they're phenomenal. But Chung Fu is the number number one, my utmost favorite. He is absolutely the most loving and gentle, high vibration spirits I have ever, ever had the pleasure of meeting. And then Stuart, Stuart Wilde as well. Um, the third, I'll give you the third, and the third would be um, Teresa Caputo. Uh, yeah, well, mainly just because of my reaction, it was quite impactful for me, and it taught me, uh, a, or it reminded me, of a huge, huge lesson on being non-judgmental. Don't judge a book by its cover. 
uh, Laura and I actually had a three-hour conversation the other night, and we were talking about that. And she, too, was actually quite surprised that, you know, what I had to say, because originally, I'll repeat it here now, originally when I first saw her show a couple of years ago, I actually didn't like it. I couldn't stand it. Um, all I could feel was ego and and the ego trip and all this stuff. But then you had us four, the four of us, do an analysis on her spirit. And the moment I did that, I had that rude awakening because I went, whoa, wait a minute. She actually does have this gift. And so I, I actually felt rather apologetic silently because <laughs> I felt so horrible for being so judgmental when I really shouldn't have. So that's a major lesson that I think that our show in the whole is actually trying to convey to other people with a lot of our different shows that we've had. Because we we tend to uncover a lot of things about different people that you wouldn't even think. Like Mick Foley is another great one. I love Mick Foley, but you would never think that he was such a teddy bear. <laughs> What's that? Oh, yeah. Oh, Mick Foley and, well, Howard Stern, too. Uh, both of them are just the hugest teddy bears with the hugest hearts. Very loving, very spiritual. Uh, and Mick especially, like, he does a lot of work for uh, domestic violence, uh, which, well, as people now know why I, I, I support him with that. I'm a, I'm a survivor of it. I'm a warrior of that. So, so yeah. And, and the final uh, question I have for you is, Kaza, is... For anyone out there who's listening right now, if there's one thing that you think that they can do to have the most substantial impact on their development, their spiritual development, the one thing that they can do, what is that practice that you would recommend? Wow. That's something actually I was going to talk about earlier, but we really didn't get a chance. I'll tell a little story first, and so so hang in there for a minute. I do get to a point. Upon leaving my ex-husband, as mentioned, I was very scared, didn't know what to do. All I did know was that I did not want to stay where I was. Uh, the cost of living was extremely high. I never would have, have made it. Um, financially speaking, because as mentioned, he wouldn't let me work, so I didn't have that much of a career to back me. But I also wanted to remain a homeowner. So I asked the universe and divine, I said, for God's sake, please help me. Through tears, I'm crying and begging, please help me get through this. And so I just followed my inner guidance, because the next thing I heard was, Okay, go just go look online just for just for shits and giggles, just go look. I get online and I'm looking at the real estate listings and and I see this house and it caught my eye. There's something about it. And I go, That's my house. Call the real estate agent because realized we had to sell our house because we were you know, we had to get out because that was going into foreclosure. He refused to pay the mortgage because he got arrested. <laughs> he was quite the dink with that. <laughs> so I found this house, called the real estate agent, and I said, I want to go see it. Okay, fine. So they set it up. I'm going to go see it. Well, the drive up here is an eight-and-a-half-hour drive. I packed my, my three children up into the car, 
drove eight hours straight up here, stayed here for an hour, viewed the house, drove eight hours straight back, all in one day. Wow. Wait, you drove 16 hours in one day? Well, yeah. Wow. Yep. I did it all, all in one shot. I didn't. I stayed here for an hour, and then boom, I was gone again. I headed back down, down south. Got on the phone, told the real estate agent, okay, uh, I want the house. I'm going to put in a bid. Okay, what's your bid? And I got more divine guidance, uh, just a number. And this is the thing. Do not question anything. Just go with it. And I don't know why, but I said 14.5. And they go, 14.5, are you sure? And I go, yes, I'm sure, 14.5. The house was listed at 19.9 because it, ironically, was also on foreclosure. So they called me back the following morning, and I will never forget the words that came out of their mouth. They go, out of my 25 years of experience as a real estate agent, I have never, ever, ever seen such a low bid get accepted and right away. <laughs> they go, Lisa, did you know that that was actually the absolute lowest that they were going to accept? How did you do it? <laughs> so I bought the house. Good for you. I came up here. And then try to, to make a longer story short, I, I, I continued to follow my guidance where, you know, I wanted to make a better life for, for my children and I. I was, as you said, you know, I was struggling to survive. I, I was barely making 500 a month, you know, with, their, with my, my work, my readings and that. So I put my, I got a student loan from the government, put myself through school and I got my social work degree. Um, in the process of doing that, I met a new friend. This new friend, like this is now, this is getting into the sequential, uh, subsequent order that I was talking about earlier. Meet a friend. Uh, this friend, in a, a year later, mentions that another friend of hers is selling a horse. I want it because <laughs> I've worked with horses all my life. So I go, I purchase the horse. Two months after that, I needed to find a place to board my horse. The same friend that I met in college said, "Oh, I know a guy." Turns out to be Cowboy Kaz, my husband, today. And so the moral of my story is to notice all of the divine signs that you are given and follow them, no matter what. It, it is extremely frightening when you're going through life transitions of any nature. But if you ask for the divine signs, you will get them. Do not question them. Just follow them. Do as you're told. <laughs> follow your own gut instinct, and you will be led up and up and out. And so that is the main thing that any one person can do to help themselves evolve with their own abilities, whether it's you know their clairvoyance or their mediumship or um, just spiritual evolution as a whole. That's the main key is to trust yourself and trust divine. But trust that divine is within you. And just follow it and go with it because you, you won't be sorry. As a matter of fact, one of the most latest things that I'll tell you is, well, this is how you and I met. We followed that gut. And look at where the show is today. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? And then, again, like just more recently for myself, like I've started working on um, your your card? Two, your, yeah, yep. I've got two oracle decks on the in in the works, and I you know came up uh, against a major roadblock, going, 
oh my god, okay, I'm not if the artist uh, the artistry of the cards if it were left up to me, they would be full of stickmen. <laughs> <laughs> so, who can I get? And so, here's a a bit of a plug for Colette, but uh, Colette Baron Reed did this this oracle deck called the Enchanted Map Oracle. And if anyone goes to my website, they'll see that I offer these readings. They are the most amazing and accurate cards I have ever used in my entire 20. It's actually been 22 years now I've been reading. Uh, the, mo the I just can't get over this deck. But anyways, the artist of that deck. Is now I, I got into contact with her. I said it's her. I want her to to do the art for my deck. And over the course of a month, or you know, humming and hawing and carrying on, and then you know, I finally contact her. And anyways, needless to say that we've worked it out that she's going to be working on my deck with me. So again, it's on. yeah, it, it's like it's following that divine guidance and um, not questioning anything. That's the most important message that I could ever give anybody, and to, and to trust your own strengths because you're a lot stronger than than probably what a lot of us give ourselves credit for. Miss Lisa Kaza, it was truly a great honor to have you on our show today to explore and examine your life. I thought you had a lot of great insight. I cannot describe how loved you are and how a big part of the show you are. If there was one way to describe our, everyone's love for Ms. Kaza, it would have to be a morbidly obese person, the way they lust after the buffet. You just want to go back for seconds and fourths and fifths and, you know, eighteenths. Yes, and Ms. Kaza, we can learn more about Ms. Kaza by going to her website at Lisa. Kaza.com. Thank you so much, Ms. Kaza. We love you very much. I love you too, Ryan, very, very much. And I love all the girls. And this is, I think, the most absolute, wonderful, and joyous, loving family that we've got going, the five of us together. I can't think of my life without you guys now. Right. With, a, with a new married with children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joining us now. Is globally respected psychic medium, healer, and empath, Miss Carrie O'Connor. You learn more about Miss O'Connor by going to her website at CarrieO'Connor.com. Miss O'Connor, what can you tell us about Miss Lisa Kaza? Well, Lisa is very interesting. As soon as I tapped into her energy, I saw all our um, Archangel Gabrielle all around her, and Gabrielle is known as the angel of um, of speaking, of helping. People learn their voice of life lesson. I saw her energy as an earth angel. She's like one of those incarnated angels. And she's a, a wonderful, wonderful person. She's come in people to, it looks like she's got all these pens all around her. So she's helped people get, let's just say, rewrite their story. We're speaking before about Laura, where a lot of people that, um, people that are drawn into healing a lot of times they've had experiences themselves and so part of the journey is being the wounded healer into the healed healer and i saw lisa doing that um herself where the 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 writing describing her own even journaling i know she's written written books 
She has um, come into this life for people to go beyond their painful experiences because I'm sure all of us have met people where they have had horrific experiences in their life and it becomes their story and it's like a loop and then they keep on meeting the same people, the abusive boyfriends or girlfriends or the jobs that are abusive and that kind of stuff. And she's come in here to help people to um, get out of those situations. And also I see that animals are, and I'm not surprised she's an animal communicator because animals has been her lifesaver since she was a young child because of a lot of abuse around her. And a lot of people that have had abusive situations, they tend to, go ahead. It's right. They just tend to have animal connections. And if they are not allowed to have physical animals, it could even be their stuffed animals that they um, can commune with and, and they can nurture and get and feel nurturing with. And, and she has tons of that um, kind of energy. She's got the cryon healer in her, in her energy signature. And that's the signal of the wounded healer turning into the healed healer. And those are the best kind of healers and, um, and readers and counselors because it's kind of like I call it the been there, done that. Okay. She's been there. She's done that. And one of the things about Ms. Kaza, I particularly find it interesting is that she doesn't really like tap. She doesn't really follow a lot of what's going on in terms of um. She doesn't follow like as other people. She kind of just goes with from within. So yeah. when you ask her about something, you ask her about something that's going on. It's like she just has this like inner knowing. I find that particularly interesting. And I was wondering when when you pick up on her frequency as far as her gifts and abilities go, is there anything yeah. you describe her healing as? Is there anything that makes her healing particularly unique? Well, you know, Ryan, I used to do that for years and years, and I, I really, I still do that a lot. I don't follow or listen to a lot of different people. I just tune into myself. I did that for years and years and years, and it kind of keeps you clean. It kind of doesn't, um, you get attuned to your own vibration, your own sick signature your own guidance right and that's what we all have this ability so that's a great tool for everybody to do and when i look into her actually she's got these bands and it looks like the rainbow bands too so that's her own connections let's say every single color of the band is connected to a different set of angels right now for her there's a real lot of that gabrielle coming on which is about Again, speaking life purpose, she could even be working on a little bit of her own life purpose, rearranging what she wants to do in her life and kind of really zoning in what gives her pleasure is what I'm seeing she's working on in the next five years in particular and to, to take her past experiences and to make them into something that it's like a gift that she could take in for herself and also hand to um, other people big time. She's and going through a real huge growth period. But do you see anything about a previous lifetime that could be holding her back in this lifetime. Is there any particular lifetime that she could be working out at this point that would help? I've her? seen that she has had many, many times of service, monk, nun, service, vows of poverty, vows of poverty, vows of poverty. So sometimes, Ryan, when I look into people's energy fields, it'll look, I'll see it and it'll look like a, a, a ball. And in it, it'll say a vow. And then I go into it and then it'll be a vow of poverty where they've made vows of poverty of, of, of service, right? Sometimes those vows of poverty have influenced this lifetime, right? And so if I would have a conversation with her, I would really introduce this lifetime. She's come here to learn that money is energy and that you still can be holy and be very good and still make money as money is energy and money is, is gives us freedom to do other things that we have. And I've noticed many, many times, especially with healers, I had to do this with myself, work out our, 
our thing with um, vows that we have taken in the past of service. And imagine Mother Teresa making vows every single day and really giving your life over. And then never mind that humanity has ingrained in it, embedded in our energy code, that money is the root of all evil. So we get double whammied. All of us do. This lifetime, it's for all of us to wake up and to see money is is energy that gives us freedom, and especially those individuals that have had many life in, uh, times as a monk, non-service, service, service, that those they could live a like an imprint that it could influence their taking in of money of this in this lifetime. So that's what she's clearing out. Ms. Carrie O'Connor, thank you so much for your very insightful and uh, definitely loving and passionate analysis on Ms. Lisa Kaza. And to learn more about Ms. Carrie O'Connor, please go to her website at carrieoconnor.com. You can also go there and get a reading with her. Thank you so much, Ms. O'Connor. Thank you, Ryan. Always a pleasure. Joining us now is the Angel Reader. Globally respected psychic medium, Miss Laura Lynn. You can learn more about Miss Lynn and get a reading with Miss Lynn by going to her website at angelreader.net. Miss Lynn, what can you tell us about your fellow virtue, Miss Lisa Kaza? Other than she's an earth angel, she is one of the most amazing women and super empowered, super, super, just lovely energy about her. I love the the journey she chose it was a very very difficult journey but she showed the world she showed the universe that she has the strength to endure it and to rise above and now look at her she's empowering so many people and will continue and i see this as being her stronghold for her life purpose is is empowering women i Really am encouraged by her book that she'll be releasing. I cannot wait to see how that just explodes out there. I feel that her whole presence is about that of empower, empowerment and light. I Every time I talk to her, I feel love all through her voice. Her energy source is total love. As far as you pick up anything about her past past life? I got several past lives where she, uh, the last lifetime that she spent was that of a Native American. Uh, what I'm hearing here is that she was quite the creator. She enjoyed using nature into her creations, and she would use different types of rocks or crystals, perhaps feathers, and she would incorporate it into these clay pots and use different dyes and color to to uh, bring out the color in the vessels. Uh, the these trades or these the artesian wares that she would create, they seem to be traded very strong on the routes, and uh, she became very well known for her artist ability. And the lifetime that she did live as a Native American was a very rich one. I feel like she was uh, in the Arizona area, the deep uh, heat and uh, and that sun ray seemed to be her strongest connection within her art. And so every, every, vessel, I believe her signature was some type of sun rays. Uh, 
And what I also got from her during that lifetime was that within the vessel, she put magic energy so that the person who would utilize it would capture high intensive energy of, of the, the wishes or the magic happening for them, almost like wishing pots. So people really and, loved her work. Sure. In the course of revolutions, have you ever seen her throughout one of our previous life incarnations where she has actually been a crucial part or a factor in the evolution of somebody who's considered historically famous or historically significant? I would say she went with the current more of the feminine energy coming to be. And I I do have a sense that there was a connection with um with Salem and with the the terrible things that happened in Salem regarding the witch hunt. Um what happened there was that I do believe that she was one of, or a spectrum of one of the women that was hung there. And it seems to me that it, that she had, it was like a current of tragic life and then very empowered life. It's like cycles. And then this lifetime was both and it's like it's going to be totally ending the cycle where she doesn't have to go through any more um, terrible uh, dreaded times for her for her life path and um, you know your original question anybody famous I didn't pick that up but I did pick up that her evolution or her her purpose is very strong and potent and it doesn't necessarily need to be a famous name in order for it to be a very exponentially powerful uh, life current. And the final question I have, Ms. Lynn, is do you feel that you and Ms. Kaza have experienced previous life incarnation previously? Yes. Uh, okay, so the story about Salem... I'm going to be visiting Salem next month, and I do have a relative that was one of them that was hung, and I suspect that that would have been my, I, I feel like she perhaps was the person um, that was hung, and I'm going to I'm going to explain that story here next month. I'm going to have a, a, a report written about it, but I do suspect do expect that that was her. I feel like her and I have had a couple different lifetimes together, and one of them was in Ireland, and that that lifetime was really very strong. She was a very strong seer, and uh, I do believe that we were sisters. It's really interesting to hear. Miss Laura Lynn, thank you for your very kind-hearted and great analysis on your fellow virtue, Miss Lisa Casa. To learn more about Ms. Laura Lynn and to get a reading and analysis with Ms. Laura Lynn, please go to her website at angelreader.net. Thank you so much, Ms. Lynn. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. And now, an analysis on Ms. Kaza by Mr. Chung Fu, Channeled Spirit. I know I do not need really to explain this to you, as I think you know it already, that there are many extraterrestrial beings, stars, star beings, 
who work with you. They are giving you a lot of information. They are really in strong communication with you. Your work is really to ground this information and to bring it into alignment so that people can make sense of it. Because the star beings come through and their language is not always comprehensible. So you have within your mind a capacity to translate, to bring this bright, fiery star energy into a language that can be uh, received, understood, translated by the heart of the human beings whom you help to become this language and these um, these emanations that are coming through can then become useful in a very simple way as energy, as love and power uh, for beings who need a special kind of boost. So this energy that you're bringing in, dear one, also can quite imbalance you at times. It can be a little too much. You know, there is a sense within you that you know, at times... He, he, now it's it's too strong almost this power so you have had to learn to pace yourself and you're still learning really because there's more that wants to come in and developing yourself uh, going further I could say with your development for you are already developed and you have of wisdom that pours through you and yet there's more and it is where now, at this time in your world, uh, as you open those gateways for what we can call divine intervention, that you learn to bring that through, that the star beings are bringing it through, and that you can bring it through, the presence divine, that next level of light that you are being prepared to bring into the world. In many ways, you have to, well, I'm just going to call it camouflage yourself. You have to use certain methods to present yourself in ways that are acceptable. And you've found many ways to do that. But you will find you get lifted up now as there are many beings around you who are helping you, giving you strength and enabling you to walk towards this next portal. You need grounding. You need you know, earthly friends, people who are saying, well, yes, that makes sense, but I need it. You know, I need you to uh, slightly translate it for me this way or that so that you can um, reach as many people as have the capacity to grow even more, Lisa, to become uh, really uh, extremely expanded vessel of the light in your body as yourself and also allowing other presences to come in and shine through you. Joining us now is the Astrophenom. Our astrologer, Miss Constance Ellis. 
You can learn more about Miss Dallas by going to her website at ConstanceDallas.com. Miss Dallas, what can you tell us about your fellow virtue with Lisa Casa? Lisa Casa. Um, well, Lisa is kind of like the the steamroller of the virtues. I say that because of the fixedness of her chart. By fixedness, I mean that her sun is in Aquarius, a fixed sign. Her moon is in Aquarius, a fixed sign. Her rising sign is Taurus, a fixed sign. And um, the only sign that is, of the fixed signs that isn't represented is Leo, but right now, um, the sun is in Leo, so she has got what's called a grand cross in her chart. Now, fixedness means, like the name suggests, you are fixed on a course. And, of course, there can be change. But the challenge for all of the fixed signs is to go in the direction and the course that's going to be uh, fruitful and positive for you because once if you get stuck it's very hard to change and her power uh, is considerable so um, going in one direction that is working out well for her unstoppable going in another direction that is not so good for her difficult to change and so I think that her chart has set up life lessons uh, so that she has gone down a few roads where you say, uh-oh, no, thank you, this is not so good, and maybe difficult to get out of that. From those experiences, she has developed a great deal of um, stick to tenacity, and her skill as a channeler um, is has grown and will continue to grow. And one of the things, um, because of the way she has a, a, a formation in her chart called a T-square, uh, which is, um, well, it's boring to explain it astrologically, but the, the focus of it is a leap of intuition. And I think that this happens to her frequently through her, um, through her work. And now that many things in her personal life have kind of calmed down and are on an easier track, um, her, her skill both in being able to communicate to people what it is that they need to hear and she needs to say and to be receiving all sorts of guidance from, let's say, the spirits above will grow and grow and grow. Um, she maybe didn't have such an easy time of it growing up which is frequent with uh, people who have um, extraordinary gifts. Uh, so you had to, she had to kind of plow through that. And now the waters are much smoother and um, much easier, and she can do um, what she should be doing, which is sharing her gifts and helping people. I also, I don't know this for sure, but I believe she's quite musical. Um, so I don't know if she, but um, I found she has um, Mercury in Pisces, and I found many people with that position who have perfect pitch, whether they use it or they don't use it, but they have very, very fine-tuned ears. Yeah, pretty interesting. But they, so she thinks she's got a musical inclination? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe it's just singing in the shower because we, we you know, can't all be <laughs> professionals, but... but um, I think that I actually think that singing, humming, any kind of vocal 
um, activity is very healthful for her, and uh, um, she's pretty, probably pretty good at it. You can let me know if that's true. <laughs> I'll let you know. Okay. And is there anything that, you, that would indicate what some of her life lessons are this time around? Um, the difference between stubbornness and stick to which is a hard lesson for all of us. In other words, when are you being stubborn and it's time to change course and when should you stick to it because you can you can move it um move things forward. Excellent. Miss Constance Stellas, Astro Phenom, thank you so much for that really great analysis on your fellow virtue. Mm-hmm. Miss Lisa Casa. And to learn more about Miss Constance Stellis and to get your chart done with Miss Constance Stellis, please go to our website at ConstanceStellis.com. Thank you so much, Miss Stellis. My pleasure. My pleasure. Joining us now is a mystery surprise guest. And that person is Mr. Clayton Nash Casa, Miss Casa's firstborn son. Welcome to the program, Mr. Casa. Thank you very much. Hello, everyone. So, Growing up, what was it like having a mom who was psychic, and how did Miss Kaza utilize her abilities to keep you out of trouble? You know, she would keep me out of trouble by, like, guiding me in the right direction and, like, telling me not to do certain things that I was thinking. But other than that, like, it was basically just like having a normal mom, you know. Uh, what are some of the qualities and characteristics that you've um, observed about your mom, and how has she rubbed up on you? Pretty much just her giant heart. Um, you know, she's always the kind of person that's like, she she's a strong believer in karma kind of thing. Um, you know, like what goes around comes around and stuff like that. And because of that, she's always been like the nicest person that everyone that she ever talks to. And I think that's actually the biggest trait I've ever picked up on because, like, if you can go around and change even one person's life for the better just by, like, you know, holding the door open or just even a friendly wave or friendly hello, stuff like that. Uh, We have so much love to give, and I think that's one of the biggest qualities I've picked up from her. And what would you say are your mom's three best qualities? Let's uh, let's think about that for a second. One is her, obviously, her uh, giant heart, um, how caring she is for everybody. Two is her intelligence. Um, She's she's a psychic for a reason. It's not because she's no dummy. Um, She guides people. She helps everybody with all their problems, and she has all the patience to uh, bear with it. Um, <clears throat> third of all, patience is one of the best qualities. Um, you know, it's not easy raising five children, and plus, not just that, but, you know, the patience to deal with everyone's problems and help uh, guide them through them and stuff like that. Our experience with Ms. Kaza is that she seems to have a very deep love respect and appreciation for the letter A, because every time we talk, she always says a word and she says A after that. I was wondering if you could elaborate on why she had this uh, relationship with the letter A and how that has impacted you and your whole family. The letter A? Yes. Probably- she'll say, she'll say, you know, we did a great reading, A, and, you know, that's just one of many examples. Oh, and it's got to be... <laughs> um, <laughs> Mr. Clayton Nash Kaza. It was a great pleasure to speak with you, Mr. Mystery Guest. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Okay, everyone, that concludes tonight's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our beloved virtue, Miss Lisa Kaza. 
And to our other incredible, amazing virtues, Miss Laura Lynn, Miss Constance Stellis, and Miss Carrie O'Connor. Also, special thanks to Mr. Fu and Clayton Kaza for being with us. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Tooth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Till the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you back here next week.